church on today. And if you would like to contribute toward that, you can just, if you're making out a check, you can just put there in the memo, Honor Flight Huntington. And uh, we'll see that, that all of those funds get to that. But we're going to be a blessing to this ministry or outreach of helping and letting veterans know that we appreciate them. Right? Amen. All right. I um, want to uh, say that um, I am grateful um, that LSU won yesterday big time. I know that's spiritual. Amen. And the tide did roll right down to loser. All right. And uh, I'll just get all that out of the way so we can get to the spiritual part here. <laughs> it's all right to have some fun, ain't it? Amen. Somebody said, well, it seems like you're excited about it. I said, you got to celebrate while you can. Because I'm telling you what, them officials, they'll figure out somehow to get Bama back on the list. I didn't say that. Praise God. Let's get to the word of the Lord here today. <laughs> Amen. It's so good to have you here this morning. We've been talking about our vision, right? here at the church, and uh, <laughs> I want to continue there today, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is our foundational text for our vision statement, and the Bible says, and you shall receive power, after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So two weeks ago, we started talking about this and uh, our vision here at One Life Church. We want everyone to be able to uh, quote that vision, just put it, get it in your heart, get it established in you so that we know what we do when we come together here in this place. Now, some people say, well, that's, um, you know, not necessary, but it is necessary. It's important that you... Keep vision in front of you and know why you do what you do. Because if you don't know the why, then you'll lose heart. Amen. If you don't know the why, then you'll lose heart. And so uh, our vision statement is very simple, but yet uh, compact. But it, it meets where we're at. And it's simply this. That One Life Church aspires to encounter God. It's to equip believers, to empower followers, and to engage our culture with love. Right? Can we say that together? Ready? One Life Church aspires to encounter God, equip believers, engage, engage our culture with love. Amen? So we live off these four platforms of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I say that that is the platforms and from which we preach. And our local church here, this campus is One Life Church campus, is the mother of all of it. We, every uh, team has an epicenter. Every team has a home field. Every storm has uh, an eye in which it draws its power or its source from. And Jerusalem is the local church. Some people have tried to disqualify and even say that it is not necessary and say I don't need to go to church and I don't uh, need to have fellowship with one of uh, the believers. But that's not what the Bible says. One man told me one time, he said, uh, and 
he asked me to have a meeting. He was a businessman in town, and, and uh, I told another pastor, I said, well, he's uh, what happened afterwards, but I didn't know what the meeting was about. But anyways, he told me in the meeting, he said that God told him to stop going to church. And uh, I listened to his conversation for a moment, and I said, uh, you are deeply confused because God never told you to quit going to church because God does not uh, say something in his word and then contradict himself and he looked at me and he said do what and I said no it wasn't God it was the devil told you that and so another pastor friend of mine in town he said oh you messed up he said he he keeps up he gathers up all his tithe and then he'll he'll get a pastor in town and he gives them all their tithe I said that don't matter because all the tithe don't matter. you got to stand before God. Amen. And uh, so I, if I lost out on his tithes, whoopee-doo. Amen. But I'm not going to stand before God and listen to that kind of mess. God never told nobody to not go to church. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together as the matter of some are. And he said, even as you see the days approaching, you need to get together more. Amen. Why is that? Because we need each other. It can't be just a cliche. It can't just be a click. It can't just be verbiage. We need each other. We, we must be a family that is connected together because that if we don't, if we are alone and we fall in the ditch, there's nobody to pull us out. A three-stranded cord is better because it's not easily broken. Amen. Thank God for the three amens. And so we need the local church, right? We need the local church, One Life Church. Thank God for the vision of this house. Judea, it is campus churches. It is reaching out to the different campuses. We have the Nitro campus that we're using there um, primarily for, for our, the ministry and outreach of uh, True Hope. But we also have services there on Wednesday. And we're going to amp that up a little bit since it's got dark outside earlier. And there's some folks that may not be able to um, drive at night or after the darkness. And, um, or maybe their swing shift. You work on swing shift, not able to get here uh, on a Sunday or whatever. We're going to have 11 o'clock service. They've been doing it, but we're going to invite the whole church and fam community and all to 11 o'clock on Wednesdays. We'll be having service there at, at uh, Nitro, and it's a great time, and, and you're welcome. Amen? You're welcome. And we're going to invite the whole community, and we're going to invite the mayor. Amen. If you're not in the inner circle, then you don't understand that, but the mayor needs it. Amen. <clears throat> and so uh, then we go not only to Samaria, but, or to Judea, but we go to Samaria. And the Samaria is the affiliate churches. I told, talked to you about that. We have affiliate churches that, that God has honored us and blessed us to be a part of and, and establishing and, and helping to grow. And, and they are churches like Cornerstone Church in, in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, Impact Church in, uh, up in Weirton. Uh, we have Living Grace in Waynesboro, Virginia. Kingdom Life is in uh, Nitro. Uh, all of these these churches, if you know, know it or not, we don't always have time to talk about all of this, but we have influence with them. We have impact with them. Uh, we give oversight to them. Amen? 
And so it, it, it is more than us just being a part of the denomination, but we are reaching out to many other areas as well. And so it also speaks of, of benevolence. It speaks of the down and out. It speaks of the, pe the places that nobody else wants to go. And, and for years, even before I came to this church as pastor, the, the word of the Lord over this house was to, to be a light and to be a place for those that nobody else wanted. Amen. The broken and the outcast and the down and out. And so God is, is fulfilling the vision of this house as we speak and as we are moving forward. And then, of course, to the ends of the earth. It, it is missions. It's us going to Africa and going to Honduras and, and not just having crusades, but planting churches and having a hospital and, and reaching out into the community. So these are our four platforms in which we do ministry. And I think that you ought to give yourself a good hand clap of praise for, uh, for not it isn't the fulfillment of it, but we're doing all of it. Amen. Can we thank God for that? Excuse me. So next week we're going to be looking at en engaging part of the vision. But today I want to talk to you about the 30, which is empowering followers. Empowering followers. Doing life for others. To empower by giving people the training and the resources to be successful in every area of ministry that they have been called to. To empower by definition means to give power or authority, to authorize, especially by legal or official, right? And so we want to empower everyone to be soul winners. Andrew always throughout the scriptures Every time you see Andrew, you see Andrew bringing people to Jesus. He's bringing people to Jesus. You hear about Jesus taking the five loaves and the two fishes, right? But if you read the story, it was Andrew that found the little boy that had the five loaves and two fishes and brought him to Jesus. It was Andrew that, that, that was able to bring... A, if, that um, Peter's mother-in-law that was sick and Andrew is the one that made that connection. Whenever you find Andrew in the scriptures, he's continually bringing people to Jesus. And so it should be with us today. It should not just be a Sunday thing, but it should be a lifestyle that we bring people to Jesus. I told you last week that it is our responsibility as Christians to what? To create an atmosphere for man to meet God. For there to be an encounter, for there to be a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first part of our, our theme scripture, Acts 1 and 8, he said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. The reason that we need the Holy Spirit is so we can be a witness. Be a witness. We don't need God to do more. We don't need God to show himself more. We, his people, have just got to become bold. We lack boldness today. 
the homosexuals are bold. The spotted owl activists are bold. Huh? The liberals are bold. Everyone, even demonic people are bold. The only ones hiding in pup tents are the believers, the Christians, the church. That you can't hardly get them bold enough to get up and praise God in the house of the Lord, let alone testify outside the door. I know I'm preaching better than you're letting on. Amen. But the reality of it is, is we have to somehow come back to our roots. I know that, that and I'm just preaching here, I'm pastoring, is that all right? I know that people today in this modern day, they're all, especially in preaching and in Christendom, they're all the time searching and looking and, and trying to get a new twist or a new idea or a new thought that people ain't never thought of before. And they'll even go out of the boundaries of the book just to get something together. But you see, the, the, what we don't need anymore. We've got enough already. The word of the Lord is enough. Jesus is enough. Come on, somebody. Whenever you come in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and he washes away your sins and casts them as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against you anymore, that now you become a partaker of his divine nature. You're a child of God. You're of the royalty of Christ. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. You're on your way to heaven. That is enough for you to get bold and tell somebody else about your faith in your God and that if he did it for you then sure enough he can do it for them amen and so what we need is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will give you boldness amen it'll make you bold as a lion It'll cause you to stand up to, to the things of the world. Whenever the world begins to push on you, you will stand up and with an anointing on your life to overcome the strong man that comes against you. Amen. Now, most of you know my story. I started preaching as a kid preacher, 15 years old. June the 28th, I preached my first message when I was 15. Didn't even have a car to get where I, people would call me to preach. I'd have to get mom or dad take me. <clears throat> Amen. Just a kid preacher. And I, would, I, I was backward as I could be. Whenever God called me to do this, I said, you got the wrong number, sir. Sure enough. Because uh, those who know me, and it, it, even today, I've told you before that I've been accused of, of being uh, arrogant. Now, let me just tell you here today for those who really know me that uh, I have a lot of faults and I have a lot of weaknesses, but being arrogant is not one of them. Amen. That, <laughs> that ain't on the list. Now, there's a lot more, but that ain't on the list. But whenever, you're, whenever you, are, you are withdrawn, whenever you're an introvert, people will, mis and they don't know your heart, people will mistake that for arrogance. 
but, but I was so withdrawn and that whenever I'd, some of my best friends, I remember some of my best friends growing up and then I wouldn't see them over the summer and it would be hard for me to talk to them when I went back to school. I'd have to warm up to it. I'd have to work my way into it. I'd take an F in class before I'd get up and give a, a speech. I'd make good grades through the semester so I didn't have to give that speech. Go ahead and give me an F, Mr. Dickow. But I ain't getting up and talking about your history class. Now all the kids are in the back. So they didn't hear pastor say that. <clears throat> but that's where I was. And so it was the Holy Spirit that came to give me boldness. When the Holy Spirit came upon my life, it changed everything. I had, whenever I was in school and serving the Lord, and, and I had people, and I may have shared these stories, and if I have, I apologize, but I had uh, people, they'd call me preacher boy. And they'd say, preacher boy, you know, this, that, and another. And, and I had one boy, he was, I don't know what he was doing, I guess he thought he was Kung Fu Man or something, and he kicked the side of my car one day and put a big dent in it and, and uh, all this stuff and, and uh, I didn't say anything. Made me mad. I didn't say anything. But where I spit, the grass never grew anymore. <laughs> but that boy, a few months later, met me at the double doors when I was coming through the doors and and he didn't call me preacher boy because it was being derogatory, preacher boy. But, but he never called me preacher boy. He said, hey, hey, Brian, I, I need you. And tears are running down his face. And he, he said, can we talk? And we went to a room and he said, they, they've just diagnosed my mother with cancer and just give her a couple of weeks to live. And, and I just wondered if you could pray with me. Mike, he was a pretty good-sized boy. He was about 450 pounds, he said, whenever he quit getting on the scales. He said he thought he was doing good, quit gaining weight at home until he went to the doctor, and then he found out the scales at home just went up to 350. <laughs> he was a pretty good-sized boy, and, and Mike, he... he uh, came one day and I was preaching revivals in different places and, and he, Mike came and he said, he said, I'm going, I heard you was preaching in Garrettsville. I said, I'm preaching there. He said, I'm going with you. And I said, all right. And I took and I preached that night and I seen Mike on the right hand side all the way on the back. And whenever I gave the invitation, he was the first one out of his seat and ran to the front. And he said, Brian, I don't know nothing about God. I don't know how to pray. He said, but all I know is I want the God that you serve. Amen. Amen. That night he gave his life to Christ. There was another young man sitting with his dad on that same side. And uh, I had recognized his face but didn't know who he was. But he came forward that night and he, he gave his life to Christ. And then on Monday morning uh, I went to school and there was the awfulest ruckus. And there was a bunch of guys that met me. And they said we want to know what you did to, 
uh, so-and-so. They called his name, and I said, I didn't do nothing. don't even know who you're talking about. They said, it's this boy. And I said, oh, okay. And they said uh, that, that he told us that you saved him last night, and he's not selling us no drugs no more. I said, well, he got part of it right. I didn't save him, but he got saved, sure enough. Amen? And his life changed. And so I didn't know he was the dealer at school, but thank God, it was the boldness of the Holy Spirit, amen, that caused that to happen. And so they would, you know, they would call me preacher boy at school, and I went to a vocational school, and so we had a locker room there. And they would come in there talking about all their craziness they did on that weekend and going to rock concerts and all of their life activity and all that was going on. And, and so one day I just had enough of it. And uh, I just got up on one of the benches there that, that was because they had to keep on asking me. They'd say, what you do Sunday, you know, and I'd be coming or this weekend and I'd be coming in there. And my voice was going. I'd preach to revival somewhere Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And. My voice would be shot, and they'd say, say, where you been? What you been doing? And, uh, and, you know, and carrying on with all this junk. And so I just let them know one day. I got up on that bench, and I stood there, and I preached to them for about 30 minutes. You never seen a locker room clear out so quick in all of your life. <clears throat> Amen. And I told them who Jesus was. Amen. If they never heard it before, they left that day knowing how to get saved. Amen. Brian Matthews would have never done that. But the Holy Ghost upon my life gave me boldness to get up on that bench and tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I want to tell you today that, that whenever you receive the Holy Spirit, he'll give you boldness to preach the gospel. He'll give you boldness to speak in, uh, for him on his behalf. And all you have to do is just receive his Holy Spirit. He said, I will give you power. Amen. And he's going to equip you with power to do everything he asks you to do. Now that doesn't mean that it's not going to be fearful. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It's not, it doesn't mean that, it, that you're going to think you're going to be able to accomplish it. Because in fact, if you think that you are able to accomplish it, then it's probably not God at all. But the fact that you feel inadequate and insufficient and unqualified for the task is the very understanding that God is the one that's putting in your heart to do a thing. And, in, and if you know that if the Holy Spirit does not empower you, you're going to fall flat on your face and this is going to be an embarrassment. But the Holy Spirit's not going to allow you to be embarrassed. He's going to show up whenever you put your foot forward, when you put faith into action, the Holy Spirit's going to rise up and empower you to do what you cannot do by yourself. Amen. So notice these four E's. We encounter God through worship services. We discover life. How many know there's life in worship? Whenever we worship, we can come in discouraged, we can come in disheartened, we can come in with the weights and the cares of the world upon our life. And sometimes we can't even worship the way we want to ourselves, but our brothers and sisters that are faithful in the house of God to lift up and to worship his name creates an atmosphere where that life comes to us and gives us strength. Amen. And so we discover life when we encounter God. We equip believers 
through life groups. We do life together, right? We're still working on it, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it together. But first you must encounter God, then you believe, and then you empower followers. So the question is, what's the difference between believing and following? The crowd believed. The disciples followed. Amen? I mean, no, Jesus had a crowd that followed him. The multitude, the Bible calls it. The multitude. They believed. But the disciples were those who followed. You would be hard-pressed to find someone today that doesn't believe. Everyone believes in God. And that's good. Well, you know what I'm saying. There's some people that's just disoriented in their mind and they can't even perceive. But for the majority of the part, we, we, everyone believes there's a God. Amen? And that's good that we believe, but that isn't good enough. Because the Bible says that the devil believes and he trembles. But the believing is the first step. But then you have to do more than just believe. You can't stop there. It's, imp it's possible for me to believe in something without being a part of what I believe. Amen? The disciples had moved to another level. They went from believing to a place of following Jesus. They were known as the followers of Jesus Christ. The disciples were following his lifestyle. Because you see, you can believe in Christ and not follow the commands of Christ. But when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you must follow his teachings. Love your neighbor as yourself. Huh? Put him first in your life. Amen. That's above all things. I said that's above all things. You have to put him first in your life. You surrender it all. You follow his commands. Amen. See, you can believe and not do that. But you can't follow and do that not do that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ then you've got to adhere to the doctrine of Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself right prefer your brother amen to follow his commands at this level of discipleship you're invested it costs you something Amen. The Bible said the disciples left their jobs. Now I don't believe it's necessary in, in particular unless the Lord leads you to do that for us to leave our jobs. But I'm just showing you the intensity of it. That it cost the disciples 
their, their jobs. They, they gave up. They forsook their jobs. But listen to me. When I tell you that they forsook their jobs, it does not mean that they abandoned their responsibilities for their family. All right? Because I promise you that Jesus gave them enough resources to take care of their family. Amen. But they had to leave the normal. They had to leave what they knew. They had to leave their jobs to follow Christ. Amen. So don't let anyone tell you that it doesn't cost you anything to follow Jesus. It's a lie. The kingdom of God has not gone on a Kmart, Walmart, blue light special. To try to get people into the kingdom. No, it's worth it. I said it's worth it. It's worth paying full price. That's what David said when they came to him. You remember? They came to David. They said, we'll give you the bullocks. We'll give you everything you need to make a sacrifice. And he said, no way, baby. I'm going to pay full price for it because God is worth it. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today, there's these people down in the mouth and talking about everything they lost and everything they gave up for the Lord. Preachers especially want to talk about they gave up this and they gave up that. I want to be as a witness today. I never gave up a thing, but I gained a whole lot that God has been my strength. He has been my help. He has been my source. He has been my supplier. Does that mean that it doesn't cost? No, it cost you deeply, but there's greater reward than what the cost is. <laughs> there's greater reward than the cost. But it isn't, God isn't about to put, this is what America has done. Can you take a minute? This is what America has done. They've turned the church into Burger King. Have it your way. Amen. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. Shut up, lady, don't upset us. We want it our way. Is that how it goes? It's close enough, right? We want it our way, right? We don't want to inconvenience anybody. Don't inconvenience anyone. When, when would you like to have church? What time would be good for you? Oh, two-hour services are too long. We'll make them 55 minutes. Because we don't want to inconvenience anyone. I told you I was preaching better than you was letting on. This is, where, this is where the American church is, my brothers and sisters. Can God work in 55 minutes? Yes, he can. And if he does, then God bless you. We'll see you next week. But whenever we begin to put it into a form and a fashion, into what we want so that it doesn't inconvenience us, bless our little hearts, then we're missing the purpose. It ought to cost you something to get up out of bed. It ought to cost you something to press into the presence of God and say, I'm not here. My flesh wanted to stay in bed. It was tired. It was weary. I've had a rough week. My mind is overwhelmed. But somehow I pressed my way into the house of the Lord. 
Lord where that his presence is and I began to worship God and I didn't feel like worshiping God but I worshiped him anyways and I lifted one hand without wrath and the other without doubt and in the midst of my worship his presence came to where I was and gave me strength and gave me direction and gave me purpose and gave me hope I want to tell you today it will cost you but it will be worth the cost amen see whenever something doesn't cost you anything then it's not worth anything amen salvation didn't cost you anything but it cost Jesus everything and he loads us down with his benefits but you going to follow him it's going to cost you something amen now I know this isn't popular and it won't be on TBN tonight but this is where the modern day church is we want to appease everybody and we don't want to hurt nobody's feelings and, and I, God knows that we don't I don't go around trying to say well let me see who I can tick off today that ain't what it is about right but how many know that, that all of us are like sandpaper to somebody? <laughs> We're there to rub off the edges of somebody. Amen? But here's the reality of it is, is it's going to cost you not to be a believer, but to be a follower. So that means you got to get up and go to the house of the Lord sometimes when you don't feel like it. You, you need to be faithful to your, you, listen to this, you need to be faithful to your commitments. Amen. You tell somebody you're going to do a thing, do it. And if you don't, aren't able to fulfill that, then bless God, at least have the courtesy to give them a call and let them know you ain't coming. Amen. Be a follower costs your friends. Amen. Some people say, well, I have to give up my friends. No, you won't have to give them up. You keep on walking with Jesus and they'll go. Amen. That's the reason why you, you, you know when you go to those family reunions and you sit at that table, ain't nobody comes over there. Amen. I'm going to have to give up my friends. No, when you follow Christ, those who are not committed to that call and don't want to follow him, they'll go. It'll cost you time. Amen. There's been times in my life when I've had it imbalanced and I put more I put more time in the church than I put in my family and that's not the will of God amen and I've made those mistakes I'm guilty of that and I've done that before amen a few years ago it was on Christmas Eve and I had a thought and I wanted to run it by one of my friends and and so I run upstairs, and it's been a few years, four or five years ago, and I run upstairs, and I gave him a call on Christmas Eve, and he said, oh, you know, Merry Christmas, something like that. I said, no, no, i got to talk to you about something. And I was telling him what, what it was I was thinking about. He said, don't you ever quit. He said, for God's sake, it said, it's Christmas Eve. He said, shut up and call me next week. And he hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Amen. But it does cost you some time. You got to commit to some things. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you got to commit to some things. And, and it, that means that there's other things you got to let go of. Because how many know all of us only have 24 hours in a day? And so that means there's some things we have to let go of to make time for the kingdom. It'll cost you. Being a follower of Jesus is not the blue light special. It's self-denial. Deny yourself. Take up his cross and follow it after him. At this level of discipleship, it's no longer about you. It's about others. Amen. And we, this modern day church, and I'm, I, I'm just pastoring here today. I'm not mad at nobody but the devil. But this modern day church has t- turned the pulpit into a puppet. And that we want everything for ourselves. What are you going to do for me? What's this church going to do for me? What can I get from the, this ministry? What can I get from this? And thank God we want to be a blessing, huh? Come on, somebody. At least talk to me a little bit today. We want to be a blessing. We want to have effective children's ministry and student ministry and senior ministry. And we want to have effective worship and the word and all of those things. But you see, it's more than just about what you can get or what I can get. When we come into maturity, how do you know when someone is matured and become a follower? When it's not all about them, but they're helping others. When you encounter God, you discover life. When you equip or equipping, you do life together. When you're empowering, you do life for others. You help others. The dream team makes that happen each and every week here. If you know it or not, I know I haven't talked a lot about it, but but it's more than just me getting up here and preaching or who you see on the stage here, but it's who you see in the parking lot every Sunday. It's those folks out there that bring you umbrellas when it's raining, huh? Amen. How many know that's spiritual? You don't have to get that hair dead again. Amen. You come into the house of the Lord and don't even get wet. The sound, the lights, the worship, the children's ministry, the student ministry. You can learn more uh, about how to serve in those capacities and next step and and um, Pastor Jordan is working on that and revamping it and, and being a part of the dream team. And we'll be talking to you more about that very shortly. But you don't empower someone to sit. You empower someone to do. And this is the next level of discipleship is where we're empowered to get up from the table and to serve others. Amen. How many is thankful for the table of the Lord? Amen. But there comes a time whenever you get the strength, the spiritual strength that you need, you get the manna, so to speak, you get the word in you so that you can get up from the table and now you can go serve. And there's a greater anointing upon the followers than there are the believers. I'm going to say that again. There's a greater anointing on the followers than there are the believers because you don't need an anointing to believe but you need an anointing to serve amen you don't need an anointing to believe but you need an anointing to serve we do not have any volunteers here at one life church all we have is people who serve 
No volunteers. We don't allow volunteers. All we have is people that serve, servants' hearts. What is a volunteer? Well, a volunteer, you can come when you want to. You arrive when you can. And you feel like that you're doing the church a blessing by showing up. Right? And so because you're volunteering, the church should be blessed that you just show up whenever you can. That's a volunteer. A servant is always, say always, always, always on time. My granddad and my dad taught me to be early. To be on time is to be late. And to be late is an insult to the one that you're meeting. It tells them that they don't matter. Amen. That's what I was taught. That you don't value them. And so therefore, because you don't value them, you just show up when you want to. And because you're late, they're just honored that you're there. Whenever I was working and going through school, I, I mixed paint at George Folk Auto Body. And I would leave the house so that I'd get there, get there at least 35 to 40 minutes early. Because dad told me, he said, if you are going to work, you need to leave early enough that if you have a flat tire, you can change that tire and still get to work on time. Amen. Now, on the other side of that coin, I know this probably don't matter to anybody, but the other side of that coin is, is these folk that get out there and they don't need to be there. And they go on 20 miles an hour in a 70 mile an hour zone. Now that's a horse that I won't ride this morning. All right. But how are you hearing me today? Be on time. That, may, that don't, may not sound very spiritual to you, but that's honoring. Amen. If I'm, if I'm supposed to meet Brother Greg here and I don't show up 10 minutes late, that tells him I don't honor his time. Some things, even this, this isn't just about, about the kingdom. It's not just about uh, in, in the church. But I'm talking to you about stuff today that will get you a promotion. Get you noticed at work. Amen. You know, you know how simple it is to get a promotion at work. You know how it is, how simple it is just to, to, to get above everybody else. Learn these two things. Yes, ma'am, and no, sir. Be honorable. Be, be honorable to those that are in authority. Learn how to have, you know, and, and be on time. Amen. Be faithful. You say you're going to do a thing, do it. Because we're not volunteers, we're servants. So if I tell you that I'm going to do a thing, now how many know all of us have disappointed someone at some time? I've been disappointed by folks and I've 
I've disappointed folks, I'm sure. You don't set out to do that. But here's the thing. You ought to try your best to fulfill and be faithful. Be dependable. I mean, all of us can relate to this. There are some people when they tell you they're going to do a thing, you don't worry a bit about it because you know they sure enough going to do it. And then there's some other folks say whenever they tell you they're going to do something, you got plan B, C, and D. Is it true? <clears throat> because you don't know if you can depend on them or not. You're hoping they come through, but you don't know if they're going to come through. And so you don't know if they're dependable. <coughs> so whenever we're a servant, we understand that we're not doing it for the church. You're serving the king of the kingdom. I said we're not doing it for the church. We're serving the king of the kingdom. And God never anointed volunteers in the Bible. Amen. He never anointed volunteers in the Bible. He always anointed servants. Amen. And we never are so big that we don't serve. Amen. The more you know, the more that's required of you to serve. Amen. Because the reality of it is, is this. We are most like Jesus when we're serving. We're most like Jesus when we're serving. What did he do? He took the towel and the bowl of water and he went and he washed his disciples' feet. And he said, the least is the greatest. You know the story. You may not feel like right now you're qualified to serve. But I'm sure that Saul felt the same way. 1 Samuel 10 and verse 1. Then Samuel took the vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, It is not because the Lord hath anointed you to be captain over his inheritance. Why did he anoint him? Because he had given him a responsibility to serve, to be captain over the Lord's inheritance. Saul was utterly amazed by this. He not only from the, the, the events from the past 24 hours that led up to this time, but now the man of God, Samuel, is anointed him and kissed him. Samuel looks at this and, and, he, and he sees Saul and, and says, Is it not because God has anointed you to be captain over his inheritance? What is the inheritance here? He's talking about the nation of Israel. Amen. And now this young man who was married and already had one son by the name of Jonathan is about to be king over an entire nation. Saul would never have guessed it. You know what he was doing three days earlier? Let me tell you. Three days earlier, he was chasing donkeys. <laughs> Three days later, 
He was chasing his father's donkeys, looking for them, right? And now, three days after that, he finds himself being anointed to be king. You, you, when you're serving the king of the kingdom, you might be frustrated right now. You might be frustrated on that job. You might be frustrated even in the kingdom, in the king's kingdom. You may be frustrated with what's going on in your life and it may feel like that you're doing meaningless tasks like chasing donkeys. Huh? But you know what got Saul anointed? You know what, what happened? You know why the anointing came upon his life? It was because he was faithful chasing donkeys. Come on, somebody. Meaningless task, but faithful at it. Nobody wants to chase donkeys. There's some things in the kingdom nobody wants to do. Huh? There's some things in our own lives or at the workplace that nobody wants to do. But what are we doing? We're not just believers. We're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so therefore, there's a mandate upon our life to do better than those who just believe. We, we need to leave a witness. We need to be a testimony. We need to leave something behind to let the world know that we're not just coming to church on Sunday believing in God, but we're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in His commandments and His will and His desire for our lives. Excuse me. So therefore, the world should be coming to the church for employers. Amen. They ought to be looking in the church whenever there's employees are out there looking for someone to employ. They ought to be calling the church office saying, who do you have over there that needs a job? Huh? Told you I was preaching better than you're letting on. That's my third time telling you that. Because if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, those employers are going to know you're not going to rip them off. Huh? You're not going to take spend another 15 minutes a day out there because it don't seem like much. 15 minutes a day that you stole from your employer, huh? But then figure that up for 15 minutes a day for a whole week. And then add it up for a month, then a then year. Do you want to pay him back for that? Preach, pastor, preach. Amen. They know that if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to carry stuff home with you that don't belong to you. Amen. We're there serving the Lord Jesus Christ and His kingdom. And so we're going to give it our very best. <coughs> we may not like it. It may not be enjoyable. But remember, you're not just doing this for your employer. You're not just doing this to get a paycheck. But you're there representing Jesus Christ because you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen? But here's the deal. You might be chasing donkeys today, but if you're faithful chasing donkeys, then God can trust you to sit on the throne. Amen? Be faithful in the little things so he can reward you with the great. Be honorable and respectful in the small things so that he can elevate you, promote you, put you in the place that he desires for you to be. And so when you're serving the king of the kingdom, you might be frustrated and feel like that you're doing meaningless tasks like chasing donkeys, but keep being faithful because you might be next in line for the promotion. You might be next to be king. Saul was proof that when you commit yourself to be a follower of Jesus, he can take you from chasing donkeys to be an anointed king in three days. <coughs> Excuse me. You may be here today and believe in Jesus, but are you a follower of Jesus? Are you following him? Are you taking his word and applying it to your life the best of your ability? Taking that word and saying, God, I'm going to apply this to my life. I'm going to do the best that I know to do. Huh? And that means I take the word of God and I apply it. Say, so how is this applicable to my life? Because I want to be more like you. I want you to reflect through me. And the only way that it's going to do it is to be faithful. Perhaps you feel like you're Saul and chasing donkeys today. But faithfulness will not go unnoticed by God. Amen. There's so much goes on in this church. People that come and serve on a regular basis. Time after time, their names are never called. They're never mentioned. But I promise you, God is keeping a good record in heaven of it. Does that mean that we shouldn't honor and respect each other? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I should do a better job of that as leader of this house. But here's what I'm trying to tell you is this, that when, we, when we're faithful in the little, God will reward us in the great. Amen? And that's sometimes that's being obedient to something we don't want to do. Now that goes against our culture, doesn't it? We don't want to do it, we don't do it. Some of my greatest blessings have come through doing what I didn't want to do. Man, Brother Anthony, if you'll come, sir, it'll help me to stop. Now, this example right here is just a, a, happens to be about money, but it is, every example isn't about money. It can be about your time, your talent, or your treasures. There's investments in your life. But I was, I was at a church meeting one night. 
if I, my memory serves me correctly, it was a Sunday night. I wasn't preaching anywhere. I was an evangelist, and I wasn't preaching anywhere, and I went to church. And, uh, <clears throat> and that night, I had a uh, $50 bill, and I had a dollar bill. Offering time come, and I thought that dollar bill would work good. God said to me, the Holy Spirit nudging on me, said, give that 50. I said, uh-uh. I wanted to go out and eat after church with some of the folks who were there. I needed gas money. I didn't have no more money. It wasn't, I didn't have money in the bank. I was $51 is what I had. And uh, so... The war went on while the plate got closer, and uh, when the plate come, I, well, I just put $51 in there. I said, if all I got's left a dollar, I'm done broke. <laughs> and so I just put the $51 in there. I wasn't preaching that night. I didn't have nothing to do with the service. I was just there because I wanted to be there. And after service, I know people don't know anything about this, but some of the older saints may remember when you had a holy handshake. That means whenever you shake your hand, they got some money in there. And uh, after service, people started coming up to me, hello, how are you? And then... Some of them shake my hand and felt a little something in there. I said, mm-hmm. I put that in my pocket. And somebody else come by shaking the hand. I wasn't even standing at the door. I was minding my own business. It wasn't like I was trying to get anything. I had $200. I left there, got out. Before, I don't know that the seed was at $50 because I've done my best to be a servant and be honorable with my tithes and my offerings all of my life. I don't know that that $50 had anything to do with that blessing that night. But what I do know is this, is the Lord blessed me because I was obedient. And that's just about money. But it may be your time. It may be you going to, to visit somebody that's a senior that isn't able to get out anymore. It may be somebody in the hospital that you need to go talk to, spend some time with. It may... It may be time that you invest. It may be uh, a time here at the church doing something for the kingdom, helping invest in the kingdom. It may, may be your talent of being able to, your skills and your talent. It, it may be treasures. But whatever it is, whenever you, you step over that line from believing to following, belonging, amen, now you're in another world. Where that you're committed to this thing. You're invested in this thing. Amen. There's, some, there's something and I'm almost done. Did I tell you that Anthony? I'm almost done. There's something I don't know that it to be true. But this is what I've heard. That in the airlines. That they on the, on, when they get onto the, the, the pad to take off. That they get to a place on the when they're getting ready to take off they get to a certain line on that runway 
and the air, the uh, guy that's flying that plane, the pilot, will announce to the tower, I'm committed. And that means that even if he wants to stop, the runway is too short and he is going too fast or she is going too fast and there's no way that they can stop now. They're committed to taking off. In our spiritual lives, we need to cross that line and say, I'm committed to this thing. I'm going to put it all in this. I'm going to invest in my life. I'm going to invest in the kingdom. I'm going to do everything that I can to be all, do all, and accomplish all that God has ordained for my life. So that whenever, if I leave by the, by the rapture or if I leave by death, that I'll leave behind the testimony that I was faithful. Amen. That's my goal in life. I want to put an impact. I want to leave my fingerprints on the next generation. I want to leave a testimony that I was faithful to the heavenly call. And I want to die a happy old man. Amen. My goal isn't to see how many I can preach to. My goal isn't to to be well known. I want to die a happy old man. Leave a testimony of faithfulness. And leave an impact, a fingerprint on the next generation. That they can see the way to the kingdom of God. Amen. Father, I love you today. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. Thank you that even when we're not faithful, you're faithful. You lead us, you guide us, you protect us. You love us with an everlasting love. You're there. And I thank you for that. I thank you for this people today that are here in this house that committed to you and committed to the kingdom work. God, give her their time, their talents, and their treasures. And I just pray today that this just be a, remember, a remembrance of the why, why we do it. So that lives can be changed and transformed by the power of a living Christ. I pray that you would give us opportunities to, to use our time, our talents, our treasures for the advancement of your kingdom and your glory and your honor pray in this time of a heart for the house that we would look at what not just what we can get from the house but what we can invest or give to the house so that this house can be a great house a strong house and a powerful voice that reaches our Jerusalem our Judea our Samaria and the ends of the earth God we love you today We thank you today that you are faithful. Help us to cross over that line today of commitment and say we are committed. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. We give you praise and thanks for it today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There's a wonderful presence of God here right now this morning. I just want us to bask in his presence for a few moments. Can we do that? Come on, Anthony, just go ahead and lift up your voice there. Lead us in worship this morning.